What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. You heard the man. It's time for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Some would even say the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. When the clock strikes 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you know it's time for Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am back for this week as your host. Joining me for today's show, he's the embodiment of Akron Zips fan base, a fan of the Pittsburgh Squealers, and the man with the hottest takes in sports, the always passionate Mr. Patrick Weber. Good morning, Akron. Also, the man with the fantasy football wisdom like no other, an avid fan of our Cleveland Brownies, and WZIP's future politician, Mr. Matt Permuka. I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> I was that was a curveball. I'm sorry. <laughs> you lost all. Th- I lost all thought I had when I. <laughs> Now that we're all acquainted, let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about today's Zips Athletics, followed by some NBA action. Next up at 12, we'll dive into MLB Awards, as well as the World Cup, and of course, our Hot Mic segment. And lastly, we will talk a little football and make our weekly pickums. So without further ado, guys, let's get right into it. We have a great show for you today. Like I said, going to start out with some Akron Zips basketball. On Tuesday night, the Zips played Morgan State. They did come away with the win. Pat, we were in attendance for that game. What are some takeaways for the Akron Zips? Um, I think it was a very hard-fought win. Obviously, you expect to go into a game against an opponent like Morgan State, uh, blowing them out. Um, That did not happen, so I do give credit to Morgan State for that. They were a very scrappy team. Like we saw, Logan, they, uh, I believe five minutes into the game, they already had seven fouls. I mean, they were just going at it. They were a physical team. Um, Like I said, we still got the dub, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, I know I was looking because a lot of people around the student section, I was hearing people say, you know, how are we only up by this amount to Morgan State? Um, Again, it's an opponent you would assume that we would be able to blow up, but they've actually kind of held their own in there with some... Uh, with some big-name opponents. They actually blew out a team very recently this season. I know it was a Penn State branch school, but still, when you drop 130 points on a team, that that means something. That means that they can score. Um, but, you know, like we always talk about, in Coach Gross, we trust. Coach Gross made the proper adjustments at halftime to propel us to that win. Absolutely. The final score of that game was 65-59 to with the Zips coming away. Enrique Freeman led all scorers with 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 2 assists. 
Matt, what are some takeaways for the Zips for you? You know, once again, it's the Enrique Freeman and Xavier Castaneda show. Uh, you know, you had three guys in double figures. Those two were your leading scorers. I think the story of that game was leaving points. It just You just left points on the court. 6 of 25 from three-point range, 22 of 61 from the field, and 15 of 27 from the foul line. I mean, the recipe for the blowout was there. You look at those shot attempts. You know, you increased you, – you hit 30 to 40 percent of those. And that's that's a 20-point blowout right there. But you just couldn't find the bottom of the basket that night. Absolutely. I wanted to actually give a personal apology to number 5, Lewis DeJoncom <laughs> of Morgan State. I I was really in your head the whole game a lot of this <laughs> You really only had six points. I don't know why you were our target that game. But from all back room, we actually do not apologize. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but, Pat... Like you said, Coach Gross made some great adjustments for the Zips. What would you say the biggest adjustment for Akron was that propelled them to this win? I think it was slowing the pace uh, because going into that game, we were trying to play too fast. We were missing a lot of easy shots. Uh, I think Coach recognized that, hey, this is a night where nobody can make anything. Like, we are cold as a team. So we made the proper adjustments of, you know, on fast breaks instead of just outright going for an open three, trying to catch them off guard. We were slowing it down, trying to feed the ball to Enrique. Um, I know starting out the game, uh, Morgan State did a very, very good job defending Enrique in the paint. They were giving him no room to breathe whatsoever. Like we saw, they were constantly double teaming, even triple teaming him at points to make sure that he cannot go up with the ball. Um, but like I said, Coach Gross definitely made the right adjustment. I noticed that uh, going um, out out of halftime, um, we were slowing the ball. We were slowing the pace down a lot. And I think that when you're going up a team like Morgan State where they are going to foul you a lot, slowing the pace is a way to get those fouls um, that you need. And I think that's what helped us uh, get the win. Absolutely. Matt, what are some things you noticed from the Zips, maybe on the defensive side of the ball, that they could have done better to come out with a better result here? You know, you're swarming. I mean, you held them to below 60 points. I mean, in college basketball, that's a successful recipe right there. I mean, you, you just need more help from all your role players. It can't just be Enrique Freeman down on the block. You need, you need help from all your other bigs, and just you need better defense from your guards up top, too. Absolutely. I also noticed as well that it seems like the Zips' offense is very Enrique centered which that's fine he's definitely our best player on the roster right now but we will need some more help coming off the bench from the zips moving ahead for the zips basketball team we have the cayman islands classic tomorrow starting at 1 30 this is three games the other games are still tbd based on the results but our first game is versus the western kentucky hilltoppers pat what do you expect from the zips in the cayman islands classic um Obviously, I expect us to come away with the win here. Um, although against Western Kentucky, it will be very, very difficult to uh, overcome them as a team. Um, looking at their season so far, they are averaging 87 points per game and only averaging 57 points allowed against them. Um, whereas we are averaging 66.7 points per game and we are uh, giving up 70.7 points per game right now. So I expect going into this game that, you know, I hope we can take the uh, dub here, but I mean, Western Kentucky, they are a very, very good basketball school. Um, just to like recap some of their games, they played uh, Kentucky State, and they beat them 127-61. to 61. So this is a very, very offensive-heavy team that we will have to try to shut down. Um, I think our go-to is going to be stopping Luke Frampton, uh, one of their guards who's averaging 15.7 points per game, um, shooting 75% from the field. So we definitely have to do uh, something to shut him down because I believe if we can uh, get him to go cold, then we can uh, take the win over Western Kentucky. Definitely. Matt? 
I do not think this is a really favorable matchup for the Zips. They're kind of the antithesis of us, where they have, as opposed to us being like, you know, two men and then praying the rest hit their shots. These guys have four guys averaging double figures, and they run a deep 11-man rotation. You know, you they don't really have – they're not a certain player-centric offense. They are a, you know, team-of-all-teams type of deal, and I don't think that matches up well for us, really. Definitely not. I would agree that the Zips are probably the underdog in this game. We will see how that goes. Transitioning over from Zips basketball, we wanted to quickly touch on our men's soccer team as the big news this week out of the men's soccer program is that they have joined the Big East Conference as the MAC did announce that they are no longer supporting men's soccer. Pat, you're the big Zips fanatic here. What do you think this means for Akron Athletics and the men's soccer team joining the Big East? Um, well, I'm hoping, uh, as I did see a possible idea on um, Zips Barstool's Instagram story a few days ago, um, right when the... Uh, move was announced that we will be joining the Big East that um, when you look at all other sports that Akron has to offer like basketball, um, baseball, soccer, the Big East is a better conference than the MAC to be in for all of those sports. Um, now I do know that the Big East they do not support football but I don't think that should be a problem because like <laughs> I, I saw I mean uh, most of the schools that are independent schools are the bottom of the barrel teams in college football, like UConn, like UMass. Um, so I actually agreed with what they had to say. Where in the next five to ten years, we could see a full move of all of our sports to the Big East, and then have football go independent, or possibly not even have a football program at all. Um, because if you look at the teams that are in this conference, you have Butler, Creighton, uh, Villanova. You have all these really big name schools. When it comes for almost, you know, comes down to almost every other sport that we have to play. So why not make this jump over? Why not move to a better conference than the MAC? Um, it'll it give us more money as a school moving to a better conference and a bigger conference than the MAC. Um, and honestly, in terms of football, should we keep the football program if we you know we were to make the jump over to the Big East? Um, it gives our football program time to settle down as an independent school. They can actually schedule whoever they want to play. There is no contract bound or anything at all. Um, so you actually have time to build up your name as a football program with, you know, say we're in the Big East for 20 years. Well, guess what? That gives you time to build up your name again as a program so you're not the worst in the country um, for four years running almost. Instead, you're building your name back up, and that because of that, if our other sports to uh, continue to succeed in the way that they have, I don't see a reason why we wouldn't be able to move out of the Big East, say we were to make that jump into a big conference like the ACC. Definitely. Matt, what do you think on the football side of things? I don't... I think you're allowed to be in multiple conferences at one time. I know Notre Dame specifically, they're in the Big Ten for hockey, ACC for baseball, lacrosse, and soccer, and then football, they're independent. I don't see why having your other sports join the Big East has to result in a disbandment of the football program or just going independent. I don't think going independent favors you at all because there really is no benefit to teams scheduling you. You're the team that needs money. Like You don't get to pick and choose who... like. Who goes where? Like I, I don't, I, I, I do not like that idea of going independent for football at all. I would, I see both sides of it. I think this is great for men's soccer. That was the, that was the first point of conversation. Men's soccer, this is great for them because 100%. they, they completely tore up the MAC. We're playing, they were playing a bunch of teams that they had no business playing. Akron yep. soccer is a nationally ranked team. We don't need to be playing teams that not to mention that we send players multiple. Uh, players every single year to major leagues worldwide, like Bundesliga, like uh, the Premier League, like the right. MLS. We're sending them to all these big name um, leagues, and we're playing schools that 
probably haven't sent anybody to a professional level league in 20, 30 years or right. so. I definitely think it's good for men's soccer. But on the football side of things, I can see both sides. I see where Matt's coming from that why would anybody want to schedule the Akron Zips maybe just for a win, but we do need the money. But I also see what Pat is saying, that it could be good for our football program as well, building up our resume. This afternoon at 1 o'clock, the men's soccer team takes on Pitt in the second round of the NCAA tournament at home at First Energy Stadium. Students fill the hill. Be there to support them. It's going to be a great game. Please. But transitioning over to Zips football, obviously there's no game to talk about this week as the Buffalo game was canceled due to weather concerns. First off, did you guys see that weather in Buffalo? That's unbelievable. 77 inches of snow. That is outlandish. For context... That would probably be maybe two Nick Chubbs in the snow. See, I so about, I saw I saw a Buffalo weather report, just like a news station out of Buffalo. It's a uh, it's one point three Josh Allen's <laughs> is the height of the snow. One point three Josh Allen's. To put that in perspective, they got uh, over six plus feet of snow, and Nick Chubb is only five nine. Nick Chubb is five eleven. He was five eleven. Yes. Yeah, come on, Steelers fan, get it right. Ooh, wow, sorry. You wish you had a good running back to talk about. I do too. wish I had a good running back to talk about, <laughs> but instead I have Najee Harris, who just disappointment. Anyway, the snow. Moving, moving on. <laughs> we don't want to jump the in. gun into the uh, into the NFL talk, but absolutely. So there was we will, we'll let you get to him at some yeah. point here. <laughs> but since we don't have a game to talk about with the Zips this week, let's move forward and talk about our season finale versus Northern Illinois. Pat, I'll start with you. What are the Zips' chances in this game to finally get another win this season? Um. When I was taking a look at our schedule, you know, once I realized, oh, hey, we still only have one win the entire season, I was looking at the last four games. Um, this is the only one out of those four I said that we would have a chance of winning because Northern Illinois has been one of the surprisingly bad teams in the MAC this year. They went from winning the MAC last year to now they're almost bottom of the barrel with us. Um, I still don't like our chances as Northern Illinois. They are 3-8, and eight and they have actually beat some of the better teams um, in the MAC. You take a look here. They uh, put up a fight against um, uh, Toledo for a little bit up until about the third quarter. Uh, they did end up beating Eastern Michigan, who, as we know, we did lose to, unfortunately. Um, they did beat Western Michigan, who, again, beat us, unfortunately. Um and they did manage to pull off um, a very, very good game against Eastern Illinois. Um, again, I just don't like our chances that much. If I were to pick a score, I would say we'd probably lose by three or so. Um, I just don't think that we have enough momentum on our side to actually carry us to another multi-win season. Which Multi-win, multi-win season? Pat? Listen, I, I just want to point out that... In in the past five years High of... standards here. Listen, this is just something I want to point out. In the last five years of Zips football, in the last five years, we've had one season where we've had more than one win. And that was last year when we fired Tom Arth. It's impressive, Pat. In five years, we've won more than one game in a season once. <laughs> I don't know if that's something to cheer about because that doesn't make me feel very good. But um, I don't know. I mean, taking a look at Northern Illinois, they're a very run-heavy team. Uh, we just have to stop the run, which, I mean, come on. I don't think we can. I said the same thing going into Eastern Michigan. They're a very run-heavy team. We have to stop the run. And I've never seen a running back just 
do the things that they did. I, it, we simply just don't have a very stellar defensive line to stop the run. Do we have a stellar anything? Um, wide receivers, uh, because Shockey. Okay. Shockey okay. is That's him. A fair point. Shockey's him. So is Alex. Alex is also him. Um, but <laughs> anywhere else, no, no, really, no. Matt, what are your thoughts on the NIU game next week? I'm so glad the season's over. Can we celebrate this weekend? We didn't lose. Wait. We didn't lose this weekend. You're right. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this game. I have not looked forward to a game at all this season. Have you attended any, Matt? I, I can't say this on air, but no. <laughs> I have not attended a game all season. I was going to go to the St. Francis one, then I was talked out of it last minute and have not gone to one at all this season. Hey, it's I don't, okay. I don't, I, kinda, think I don't think I've missed much. I kind of regret going to that game because after the win, which, we, I mean, we barely won first, so we won in overtime. Against an FCS. Against an FCS <laughs> opponent. St. Francis. But, uh, I remember being up at the front, um, you know, going to high-five all the players, and Coach Moorhead comes around, and he was telling almost every single student, don't worry, we're going to get better. I remember that, Pat. I was standing right next to you, actually. I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Where, where is the us getting better? Now, we I understand. didn't we, lose this weekend, Pat. That's improvement. It is. I understand Pat. that, like. Technicalities. In Coach Moorhead's defense, this is still Tom Arth's roster, a majority of it. They're, they're not very good. But, I mean, come on. I mean, they have been more tolerable to watch this season than in years past. High standards again. I'll give them that. I've actually been able to make it through a majority of the games instead of leaving because I can't watch them play anymore. Pat, um, but you were with me for the first quarter, and then you left. First half. Eastern Michigan. First half. Okay. I left at halftime because yeah. we were down by quite I turned many. around, and, I, and there was no more Pat Weber. I was by myself. I removed myself from a situation <laughs> before I got too upset to continue to be there because... I was feeling like that guy laying on the hill, just like, he, the he, he was thinking about his life, and that's what I was about to be doing, watching the Zips play. I'm like, it's a Tuesday. I could be doing homework or something productive. Instead, I'm watching the Akron Zips play football. So I left, because I, you just hit a point where, no matter what, it just, losing just becomes so repetitive that you just don't want to go to, you don't want to go to a game, you don't want to watch, and I know people are like, well, what? You know, football team wants to have people come. Win some games, and you will get fans. Definitely. If you don't win and you don't get better, this is what happens. You get more people at the jar than you will at a 30,000-seat stadium. Definitely. Well, it's been another tough season for the Zips, and I'm sure we're all very thankful that it's finally coming to a close. Yes, we are. Yep. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe one day Pat will be right and Joe Moorhead will be right, and it will finally be time for the Akron Zips to be a good football program. But (laughs) moving on, let's talk about some football programs that are successful. We're going to get into the top four of the college football playoff. Obviously, some big losses this week, particularly one team that we're all thinking of. So let's predict the top four for the next set of rankings. Pat, I will start with you. Who is your top four for the next college football playoff rankings? My top four is going to remain the exact same. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. Any teams that may be outside of the top four that you think are going to drop severely or come back up? Oh, drop severely, you say. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Hmm. This is where we strap in to uh, Tennessee. What happened? How did you lose to South Carolina? Like, genuinely. That I wasn't even know. just a not, loss. Not, that, was, that was an onslaught. Was I want to know how you let 
Spencer Rattler. They ran out of touchdown fireworks in South Carolina last night. I know, against wow. a team that beat Alabama. Wow. Spencer Rattler threw for so, over 400 yards and six touchdowns Seven incompletions, six a question, touchdowns. A question I have for you then, Matt, is if now that Tennessee lost this bad to a team like South Carolina, does this make Alabama's loss to them look worse? Yes. I think it does, too. It, it, I, you know, my top four is also going to remain the same, but I think next week after the game... You know, you're going to have to slide a one-loss team in there. I think it's going to be uh, LSU. That yeah, will LSU slide is two losses. They have two, two losses. losses. Yes. Ooh. So this is where it gets fun. Do you put a USC in there? My, then, so the, here, here is a rabbit hole. Me and my roommate, Skylar, have gone into this conversation. Like, we've had this fight. This is the only time we've ever gotten heated with each other. If LSU wins the SEC championship, and that's Georgia's only loss, who is your top four? That is a two-loss mm. SEC champion LSU, a one-loss Georgia Bulldog, an undefeated Big Ten. Team. I just don't see the committee leaving out the L- the SEC champion. Would you? You would have to put a two-loss team in there. I think this is which would be, be absolutely unprecedented. And if they were to put a two-loss team is, in, you have to look at this. The committee not will go leaving to five. Alabama out with two losses if that's their logic. But, but you have. But if you look at this, LSU will be. A LSU top would five. be the SEC champion, though Alabama would not. True. L- yeah, LSU has the tiebreaker over oh. Bama for the spot in the championship. That's tough. We so could see this, like this weekend, a two-loss team going. And this to the is top why four. the playoff must be expanded quicker yes. than twenty twenty-four. Yeah. So I mean, sorry to be uh, you know a little boring with this week's top four. It remains the same, but next week in conference championship week, this thing we're gonna have is just it's like that one scene from Always Sunny where it's just like the you know like the pins everywhere. Yeah. That's, it's going to be so much fun to just go over crazy scenarios for the next couple weeks. I'm also keeping my top four the same for now. Everything depends on conference championship week. Before we close out our college football segment, though, let's get into our winners and losers. Matt, I'll start with you this time. Who is your winner and your loser? We'll just do both at the same time for this week's college football games. I'll make this quick. Vanderbilt, for the first time since George Bush's presidency, Vanderbilt has won back-to-back SEC games. They beat Kentucky last week. They beat Florida yesterday. And then I have another one. I mean, you know, South Carolina. That was an all-timer. Good for That was big. Yes. That was huge. My loser. The Tennessee Volunteers will be the second team ever in the college football playoff era to be ranked number one and miss out on the college football playoff entirely. Wow. Second team since uh, Mississippi State. And uh, my second loser is uh, Oklahoma State. Just go look at all the uh, Oklahoma Sooners players' TikToks, see what they had in the locker room, and you'll see why Oklahoma State is my loser for the week. Pat? Uh, I... Going to backpack off of some of the losers here, like I said earlier, Tennessee. Seriously, what happened? Like, there's no way you let Spencer Rattler, of all players, throw for over 400 yards and six touchdowns. They're, they're just, that's unacceptable. It really is. And then I have to go for my winner here. I have to go with Louisville because they upset number 24-ranked NC State to officially bump NC State out of the top 25 for the remainder of the season. Wow. My winner, I have two winners. My first winner, we got to give it to South Carolina. I feel like we've all... Yeah, that's, 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 that's an all-time winner. And my second winner actually is kind of unfootball-related. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech and Liberty for honoring the three uh, Virginia football players that passed away in the tragic... 
the tragic happenings of the Virginia shooting. And the if you don't know what I'm referring to, the Virginia Tech players wore orange, their orange uniforms, and Liberty wore their navy blue to honor the Virginia colors and both ran out with a Virginia football flag. I thought that was a really cool way to honor the victims of that tragic accident. And my losers for the week moving away from winners, I'm going to say, of course, Tennessee, another consensus. That's terrible. That's that's just terrible. Yeah. And I would say probably another loser. You, you might not agree with me, but I'm going to pick Ohio State as a loser, even though they won their game. Okay. I just... Explain. I just don't... <laughs> I just don't think that they looked good. I don't know, like... None of the top four teams looked no good. No one looked at good. At all. I mean, look at Georgia. 16-6 to against Kentucky. It took TCU a fire drill field goal to beat Very Baylor. true. TCU did not look great either, but as an Ohio State fan, I was very frustrated. Michigan, Michigan was a no OPI call away from losing to Illinois. Also true. Like this was I, the, if you just take a look around game the top next week. four, the top four teams looked terrible this, was, this week. This was the classic play down to your competition because you're focused on rivalry week. Week, Yes. And so definitely. no one looks good, and then next week we'll just see all these teams hit a gear they have never definitely. been in this year. All right, guys, that's going to do it for our college football segment. Coming up next, we're going to get into the NBA, talk a little bit about the Cavaliers and, of course, the Miami Heat. We will get there right after break, so stick with us right here on Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk. Once again, I am your host, Logan Conger. Joining me today is... Matt Permuka. And... Pat Weber. And we're going to get into our next segment here after we just finished up talking about some college football. Our next segment is the National Basketball Association. And, of course, our hometown Cleveland Cavaliers, who are playing fantastic lately and have two fantastic players scoring lots of points. So let's start out with the latest Cavalier matchup versus... The new, excuse me, I almost said the New Orleans Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> You're about a decade late on that. <laughs> <laughs> a double overtime win over the Charlotte Hornets with a final score of 132 to 122. Darius Garland leading all scores with 41 points, followed by Donovan Mitchell with 34, and Evan Mobley with 21, all playing 40 plus minutes in this game. Was a great game to watch. I'll start with you, Matt. What are your thoughts on the matchup versus the Hornets? You called the Cavs' recent play fantastic in the intro, and I'm just wanting to know, what sport are you watching? Because <laughs> the Cavs team we've seen in the past 10 days is completely different than it's the Cavs diff- team we've seen different. in the first 10, da- uh, first 10 days of the season or so. Uh, but uh, Friday night, really entertaining game to watch if you weren't a fan of either team. If you were, that was probably the most stress- stressed, yeah, stressed out I've been for a Cavs game all season. We can't close out a game. That's correct. We were up 16 with just over eight minutes left. With 52 seconds left, we were up 10 points. I thought it was going to be a nice, easy victory. So I went downstairs to my, uh, from my house to get myself a drink. I come back up and overtime starting, and I'm confused out of my mind. And it just, we can't close out games. I really don't. How do you blow a 10-point lead in 50 seconds? That is question of the hour. Any, anyone have an answer to that? Anyone? No. I don't no? have one, no. I do not have an answer, Matt. And this team just has an inability to guard wings. Kelly Oubre, you know, the ladies' favorite basketball player, he dropped 34 on us. Kelly Oubre is not that good of a wing. There's no way a, a Kelly Oubre caliber player 
should drop 30-plus on you. That is unacceptable. Of course not. Kelly Oubre hasn't had any credible career experience in the entire time in the league. No, not at all. Except the time when he tried on his son's jersey and then was traded immediately after. Yep. That was that was pretty funny. <laughs> Pat, what were your thoughts on the matchup versus the Hornets? Kind of echoing what Matt said. Um, what team have you been watching? Because the play recently All has right, not been All right, guys. Great. I was we, trying to be a good Cavs fan because I'm under, not rooting for them tonight. I understand okay. it, but we were on a five-game <laughs> losing streak before somehow beating the Hornets in double overtime. I was just, I was just as confused as you were, Matt, because I looked and I'm like, oh, hey, we just took the dub. I'm going to turn my phone off. Good win, Cavs. And then I look, and I'm like, huh, I haven't seen an ESPN notification yet. Yep. What's going on? I open my phone. I'm like, since when are we in double overtime? I'm like, (laughs) when did this happen? (laughs) Like, I had turned my phone off with, like, a minute left. Because I'm like, oh, hey, easy dub. That same thing happened to me with the uh, Timberwolves game. We were getting blown out, so I uh, didn't turn off the game. And then I check my phone. I'm like, I haven't gotten a Cavs loss notification yet. And then I check my phone, and Garland has 51. And and I'm like, still lost that game. what, What happened? But, so, with guys like Garland scoring this many points, what do you guys view the issue to be? Because Jarius Garland is in and out, night in and night out scoring consistently in the range of 30 to 40. Same with Donovan Mitchell. So what would you say the main issue with the Cavaliers is? The three spot. I mean, yeah. D- Dean Wade, uh, believe it or not, is your best wing. Dean Wade is what you wanted Isaac Okoro to be. Oh, my God, he Okoro. Can, he can play. He can go, <laughs> Dean Wade can guard in the perimeter, and he can hit open shots when you need him to. You, Dean Wade is your uh, and he's your plug-and-play number three, and he's been out. Uh, I think he first game he missed was the Sacramento game, and that was kind of just what spiraled the losing streak. That's why guys like Kelly Oubre can drop 34 on you. You need Dean Wade back, but at the same time, you just need another versatile wing. You can't be playing a 6'4 Karis LeVert or a 6'5 Lamar Stevens at that spot and right. expect things to go right. I will say one thing. Karis LeVert is 6'6". Six, six. LeVert's 6'6"? Six, six? Wow. He is. So you and I both kind of got heights wrong today. But, oh, wow. Um, now, taking a look at I mean, I agree. We don't really have a sound wing that we can rely on. But it also doesn't help when you go 8 for 28 from the 3 either. Um, trying to close out that game. I feel like whenever we try to close out games, we shoot entirely too many three-pointers to try to get the dagger three. But in reality, just take the easy two. Slowly it, build your it, lead. Keep increasing it. Don't just settle well, for stupid threes. The fun thing are. with that was the first half of that game when we were dominating them, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley both had double-doubles by midway through the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, we just entirely stopped picking on their lack of big man depth. And we just started taking outside shots. It was It was... If it ain't broke, what, what built the you know? du- what built the near twenty point lead? We just abandoned in the last five minutes of the game. You know the saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it don't stop feeding the bigs, if they have that much of a lack of Evan, big man Evan, depth, keep feeding Evan Mobley, keep feeding Jared Allen. Evan cool. Mobley almost had a twenty twenty game, but no, let's just let's just do some crazy step back threes. Let's get sloppy with our passes and let Terry Rozier just hit every turnaround three in the final forty seconds that he'd like. It, Yep. Incredibly frustrating game. I'm just happy we won because I feel like if we would have slipped onto a six-game losing streak, oh, who knows what would have happened. That would have been miserable. It would be tough momentum-wise for the Cavaliers. But they did get the win, and they're going to hopefully, not for me, but for you two, carry the momentum <laughs> yeah. into tonight's matchup versus the eventual 2022 NBA champion, the uh. Miami Heat. Tonight's game will start at 7 o'clock, and myself and Alex Henry will be there live covering it on WZIP Sports Twitter. 
you know I love the Heat, so I will be rooting for them in silence tonight as we are up in the press box. So i got to stay kind of professional, but I will be educating all these Cavaliers people on Heat culture. But I won't talk too much about that. Let's talk about the game itself. The Miami Heat come in at 7-9, and nine, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are 9-6. and six. Also, the Cavaliers are coming in at a, as a 10-point favorite over the Miami Heat. Matt, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on tonight's matchup? Now, before I answer this, you said right before we started, you said the the Miami Heat's entire starting lineup is out. Like, it's they're all either out or listed as to be determined. Oh, game that's time that's, okay, that's a big deal. Okay, because like I know Ad, I know Adebayo is questionable. No, I'm like if he's if the he's, culture yeah. will get us there, so okay. it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, he's on the floor. I also have a quick question. Didn't you say that? Because the entirety of the uh, Miami Heat starting lineup is out, it would be boy wonder season. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, but uh, Tyler Hero is listed as out for tonight's game. That makes me sad. Oh, no boy wonder. That actually really hurts my heart. I really um, want to see A list see of other notable names that I guess are out are, uh, well, I'm sorry, not notable, but just other names of people that are out are Duncan Robinson, yeah. Gabe Vincent, yeah. Dwayne uh, Desmond, and yeah. everybody's favorite. Udonis Haslam, no, who has not seen the court hey, in about it six matter, years. UD, UD is an influence no matter what he's doing. I don't so. think he stepped oh. foot on the court in he like six years. That's the culture, Pat. Okay, he doesn't have to. I won't even. I won't even get into educating you on the culture, Pat. It's fine because MVP candidate Donovan Mitchell is going to go off tonight. No, and I'm not even saying I'm rooting against the Cavs. Look, I really, honestly, I don't really care who wins. I look, like both teams. I'll gaslight you. His team's played terrible <laughs> this past week. It's I could see it, it's very probable you guys could come away with the win here. We can't hold on to leads. We play eight guys for forty minutes. We have t- we have a terrible rotation the way it is currently. We're running our starters into the ground. Kevin Love's out with a thumb injury. Dean Wade's out. Dylan Windler hasn't stepped foot on the court all year. Isaac Okoro's going to have to get meaningful minutes. It's a very real possibility you guys could come away with the win tonight. I don't know. As a Heat fan and a Cavs fan, I think it'll be close. It'll be a tough matchup either way, but all the injuries for the Heat scare me. However, on the Cavaliers' side, you're right. Isaac Okoro getting meaningful minutes is not a good thought for the Cavs. That's a death wish. It really is. That is the worst idea ever. I will again echo that I do own an Isaac Okoro jersey which was not the right move. Nobody talked me out of it when I bought it at the stadium. You deserve to be bullied for that. I told you that last <laughs> time I was on with you. You need bullied. The same way we bullied Jake for his Baker Mayfield jersey collection, we need to bully you for your Isaac Okoro jersey. And I understand, and I will take that. Okay. I really, I'm. it's okay. I understand the purchase was but tough. you knowingly spent your money He was a rookie, though. How was I supposed to know? That's an even worse move because he was, he a, was rookie. a rookie, so you don't know. How many times my do first-round rookies not even pan out? My option, I wanted an obscure jersey. My options that's, were... Okay, that's your first problem. Just go buy a throwback one. Go buy the throwback LeBron or something. Go buy, go buy throwback Big Z. That's go, fire, too. Go buy throwback Mark Price, Brad Daughtery, like stuff. Like, if you want obscure, go throwback. Don't draft some random dude that might be your seventh man. Hey, everybody makes mistakes, Matt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one was an $125 mistake. Oh, boy. But we'll move away from my financial woes and talk a little <laughs> bit about Donovan Mitchell's MVP chances as a Cavalier, lots of people have been saying early in the year that he could be on the MVP list. What do you guys think? Do you think that's realistic? 
No. Yes. What? Oh. I thought no. it was I thought it was realistic the first like two weeks of the season when I thought this team was God's gift to basketball. <laughs> and he was just averaging like thirty five at the drop of a hat. But you know, if this team is hovering right around like fifty wins, I don't see how you can give it to him. But if like this team somehow hits like fifty six, fifty seven, which I highly doubt happens at this point in time. I I don't think you can give it to Donovan Mitchell any other way unless the Cavs are just like a juggernaut again. Pat, you seem to disagree with that take. Um, yeah, because Donovan Mitchell is him. Uh, he's been playing I out agree of his with mind. That. Yes, he has. So I see no reason why he shouldn't be able to win the MVP. I think if we even get like a three or four seed, he should win MVP. Mm-hmm. Because who would have even thought that we would be in this position but we're in this position because Donovan cons- Mitchell think, is him. As a consensus, I think the Cavs were expected to be a top six seed before they got Donovan Mitchell. I'd argue people did expect this out of the Cavs. I didn't. I expected us to go like eight at best. You expected before, us to be an eight This year, seed. you expected before us to be Donovan seven, Mitchell. seven, like a six, seven seed, possibly even eight. Before seed. Donovan Mitchell. Before, before Donovan Mitchell. So you thought we were going to be a play-in team again before Donovan Mitchell. Yes. Because mm, okay. we, we were returning everybody from last year's. Playing team, I expected us to move up. Man, because are you thinking we would have been worse year. or better? Oh no, I I think preseason I expected us to be uh, top five or six seed before Donovan Mitchell was yeah, acquired. I did so, too. Like, and then we got I, Donovan I would, Mitchell. I, I would I would argue that we were supposed to be around four to six in the East. So I mean, you'd have to do something pretty much out. Like you'd have to go on some miraculous run in December and January and just build up such a win total that you could coast to 55, 56 wins. And I think then I think Mitchell would be in contention. But Yeah, I would agree with you, Matt. I think his chances were a little bit better when the Cavaliers were looking better. And like you said, they looked like they were God's gift to basketball. But right now, I just don't see that being realistic. I think guys like Giannis and Jokic, the, the names you hear every single year, are oh, going to overtake that. Embiid's still due for an MVP. They still, Embiid, need, they still need to give Joel Embiid his MVP before we can get into some obscure players in contention. I think that pff, Embiid is probably my pick right now, too. If, I think every year he's in the conversation, and this might be the year where he finally gets it. I, I would agree. I, I kind of thought he was going to get it last year, and then they gave it to Jokic back-to-back. I didn't agree with that. I me, thought it should have been Embiid. Yeah, I agree. But moving away from Donovan Mitchell, sticking with the Cavaliers, though, another star on our roster, Darius Garland, very successful at the start of the season so far. And a lot of people didn't expect this, especially with a guy like Donovan Mitchell coming in. Some people thought that it was going to take away from Darius Garland. Again, Matt, I'll kick it to you. What is the reason for Darius Garland's huge success at the start of this season? Oh, I think he and Donovan now can they can play off ball now. They don't have to be the primary ball handlers. I think both of those guys were in a situation where they were their offense and now they're together. So I mean you will you'll see possessions like Darius won't even bring the ball up and he will just get screens off ball. He'll have wide open looks, just off nice easy assists from his guys around him. I think it's a great combination for the both of them. I thought this tandem was going to yeah, pair very well just because of that alone. You know, I I think in he was an all-star last year, and I think he's going to be a perennial all-star as long as he and Donovan are together. Absolutely, Pat. I completely agree. I've been saying it since the start of the season that it looks like the Cavs, we have the best guard duo in the league right now. If you look at it, realistically, I think we do. Because I, I, Curry and Clay over in uh, Golden State, they're not playing very well right they're now. They're getting splashed by Father Tom, the Splash Brothers are. They are. No, <laughs> Curry is not, because no, he is still... No. Steph Curry, and he's still dropping 50 points, but I mean, you look at how many wins they have, I mean, 
the Warriors aren't even in the play-in right now. No. If it, you know, right now. And I'm trying the, to think of, the like, Kings are the best team in the state of California. I'm trying which to think, is insane to think about. I'm trying to think of other guard tandems. I mean, like, McCollum and Lillard were broken up. I'm Like, what are some other other notable one-two guard tandems? I'm The only one I can think of off the top of my head that you could even consider to be something like that is John Wall and Paul George. I okay. think Paul George is a forward, but okay. Uh, they do play him at two yeah, quite okay. a bit now because uh, the starting five that the Clippers have been running are John Wall, Paul, Paul George, George, Kawhi, uh, Marcus Morris, and okay. Zubach okay. this season. So I think that that's like the only other guard duo that you can even maybe compare, if that. Yeah. Pat, you want to do me a favor? I want you to explain to the people why, again, you are a Clippers fan. You're a Clippers fan? Because I like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is my favorite player. You're a Clipper fan? Yes. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard is my favorite player. Okay. <laughs> I have, I I can attest this, I have six Kawhi Leonard jerseys. Six? I have not completed Don't the collection yet. I am still looking for his college jersey, but I have his high school jersey. DHgate will help you out with that. Uh, I know it will for the Good college one, one but uh, so I have his high school one. I bought that in New Orleans. I have two Clippers, two Raptors, and a uh, Spurs that's insane, man! Like, I think Pat really likes Kawhi. I have a deep, deep love for Kawhi Leonard. I He's own my th- favorite. I player. own three jerseys in total, and you have six Kawhi Leonard ones. <laughs> I have six Kawhi Leonard ones. I counted up my jersey total. I'm sitting in the mid twenties of jerseys I, that I own. Pat, you're I a quite supportive total. dude. That's insane. Listen, I listen. Whatever team I am a fan of, I am a very, very uh, diehard fan of that team. And that's a good treat. I'm really proud of you for that, Pat. It hurt. So here's the thing. It's positive for everything until it's come to football because then when it comes to football it just doesn't go well because I like the Zips too much to be a fan of any other team which hurts a lot because we're not good at football and normally I have had the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday to escape my sorrows on Saturday mm. um, and instead I turn around and watch an even more incompetent uh, football program than I do when I watch one on Saturday and it is just rough Okay, Pat. I feel bad for you. I really do. Maybe one day you'll have a team that you can love and support. That's good. But it's I mean, been, I already do. I have a. You know, we got the Cavs. We got the Guardians. We've. I'm got glad a, you think that way because it's. You just sounded sad. I wanted to make sure you're okay. Well, for football, I'm sad because football <laughs> is my favorite sport, and I have no escape from the endless loop of bad football. I go from again watching you whatever we're putting jackets? out on. No, oh my! <laughs> Don't start me on hockey. Dude, All I have to say is, the two best wingers in the league, arguably, and we are the second worst team. We are one point out of dead last in the entire league. Poor kid, ahead of the Anaheim Ducks. Poor kid. We're <sighs> oh man, Pat. Mm, I said we we're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> Go to the playoffs Dude, this just, year. You're just trying to bully him right now, <laughs> Pat. I'll I'll step hey. off you here for a second. <laughs> Don't we'll start me on the path of sadness that is oh my boy. sports. Okay, Pat. I'll I'll <laughs> save yet. you here. But I will keep talking about the Cavaliers. Question for you both. Who would you say is the Cavaliers' X factor so far in the season making a difference on the floor? This is going to sound incredibly, incredibly bold. I'm I'm going to say it's Dean Wade. I like that. Ooh. Because we know the guard tandem's elite. We know the center tandem's elite. We know and just uh, the three spot, it's, it's putrid. And Dean Wade's your best one. Dean Wade is, I, it's scary to say this, the Cavs will go as far as Dean Wade can take them. Ooh. Scary statement, but at the same time, until you bring in another three, prove me wrong. 
I like that actually. He, you have a point with that. I will, I will give that to you. That is a very good point. Uh, I think the X factor. Obviously, I'm going to sound like every head over heels uh, Cavs fan, but I'm going to say Donovan Mitchell, just because of the way that he has been able to play just at the level that he has while being paired with another superstar guard and Darius Garland has been outstanding in my opinion. Absolutely. I'm also going to take. I'm going to go with Karis LeVert. I know that Karis LeVert might not be looked at as like an X factor, but I just think Karis LeVert, he when he plays fantastic, the Cavaliers are playing fantastic. When he plays like dirt, the Cavaliers are playing like dirt. It wasn't it like uh, after the first Boston game when he had 41. He had 41 one night. Then the very next game he had one. That's what yes. Karis like, LeVert. The thing. literal that next is, day. Like if we could just get him to collectively play average and just give us like. 16 points a night. Yes. I think that would be... I'll take that. That's all we need from him. But I, I, I you just, need to I just, start Karis LeVert for him to be good. I said this eh. last year when we acquired him, is that Karis LeVert, he can't come off the bench. You have to get him going early enough in the game that he can't really be a bench spot. I mean, I know he's 6'6". He's a little bit undersized if you want to start him at the 3, but I think you should start him at the 3. And I, I will defend Karis LeVert time and time again because he is probably my favorite player on the Cavs. I love Karis LeVert. incredibly bold take. Wow. I loved watching <laughs> Karis LeVert before he came to the Cavs. Okay. And I can, will continue to like watching Karis LeVert play even when he's on the Cavs. If he's I not respect it, well. We're just but that's bold. words out here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like Karis LeVert. But again, I think he's a starter. You should not be bringing him off the bench. You need to get him going early in the game. If you can get him to hit two threes early in the game, you're going to continue to get... 30, 40 point games oh, out of him as well. It's two more threes than I expect him to make each night. Yeah. Like, if him more is <laughs> just that bad at shooting. I think of him. Well, w take that. More of a playmaker and just, you know, take mid range shots. That's how I view a Levert, but. And then do that, but don't keep bringing him off the bench because if you bring him off the bench, it doesn't work. I mean, if you look at his stats, like when he starts, he'll get like 20 points. For sure. On average. But when he's coming off the well, bench, that's when he has his nights where he'll get it's, like it's on five a- points. It's on average because when he starts, he's either going to score 40 or one. I mean, yeah. That's how you get the 20 point <laughs> average right there. It's the inconsistencies. Well, listen, he'll even it out when uh, we start him more consistently. Okay. Because he came off the all bench right. against the uh, Hornets and did not play well. That's all okay. I have to say. Is all when right. you just take a look at, you know, starting versus bench, start Karis LeVert. Please. Well, as Jake Murren always says, we'll see what happens there. Moving <laughs> on to some NBA headlines, starting with Ja Morant's injury. Big injury in the league right now. Yep. How does this affect the Memphis Grizzlies? Bye-bye, Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> You're going to say bye-bye? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Desmond Bain's playing pretty good I mean, right He's now. playing well, good, but I don't think they have enough. So have, if you remember, Pat, what it takes. the Grizzlies played better with Morant off the floor so last year. What is the actual timetable? Because I've seen anything from one to four weeks. I, that's what I've seen, one to four weeks. Okay, because I'm looking at like their final two weeks in November into December, their schedule's not brutal. It's not brutal. There's no real, like, big road trip. It's kind of, it's, you're playing a bunch of collectively average teams. You have a couple matchups with the Pelicans, a few with the Kings. You play the Knicks. You get to play the Nets without Kyrie. I don't think it's really doom and gloom in, uh, in Tennessee right now. See, I would argue to say that it is because John Morant is, even though, yes, I know, like you said, um, you know, the, last season the Grizzlies played better with him off the the court I just don't think that you know you losing your star you losing the guy that brings the energy that brings the explosiveness to every single game you losing him for up to four weeks is going to help you 
at all. I don't think it's going to help you, but at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily going to completely derail you. He's still going to be around the team. It's not like he's just gone for four weeks. No, I know, but I'm just saying that without his explosiveness on the court to rally and get those big dunks and get the uh, momentum going back in their way, I just don't think they have that explosiveness now that he's out. Okay. Because he is one of the most, if not the most explosive player in the NBA right now, I would argue to say. I think the momentum that he brings on the court is that much of a game changer. Okay. I would agree with you, Pat. I think that he's that much of a game changer, but I see what Matt's saying as well. I think that it's kind of schedule dependent. So, yeah. I mean, anybody losing their star player is a big it's a big loss. Next headline, the Giannis Antetokounmpo and Montrez Harrell drama. For those of you who don't know what that is, following the the Milwaukee Bucks versus the 76ers game in Philadelphia, Giannis Antetokounmpo stayed out to try and get shots up at the line. Montrez Harrell was not a fan of this idea, and he came out and told Giannis how he was feeling. Took the ball out of his hands and said, get off the court so I can practice. This is my court. So Giannis proceeds to go to the other end of the court, push the ladder down that the employees were using, and try and shoot on the other side. And Montrez Harrell, again, did not like that and just kept yelling at him, yelling at him, yelling at him. And now it is an ongoing feud on Twitter between the two. What are your guys' thoughts? Did Giannis do anything wrong trying to get shots up after the game? No, he did nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, I know you said he pushed the ladder, but from what I've heard is Giannis kept asking them, can you please move the ladder? Because he just wanted to get some extra shots up following the loss, and the employees were being just deliberately disrespectful and ignoring him entirely. So he had to move it himself. I don't think that's a problem. Uh, the other thing, too, though, is you have to realize that, you know, I did watch the Clippers uh, when Montrezl Harrell played for them. Montrez Harrell is one of the he has one of the biggest egos in the league and he is also probably one of the players that will talk the most trash to you whether it is on or off the court. Um so I think you know you're trying to take a tough loss if you're Giannis and get the extra shots up. You're already going to be quite upset because you did drop a game that you were supposed to win, you know, uh um did not go your way whatsoever. Um, and then you have somebody like Montrez Harrell that comes out and he's barking in your ear nonstop. I mean, your your blood's going to boil over. So, again, I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think I would have shoved the ladder out of the way. But like I said, the reports are saying, you know, even from Giannis, he's saying that he was asking the employees, can you please move the ladder? I just want to get some shots up. And they were just blatantly ignoring him. So but you have to do what you have to do sometimes. But it's not his home arena. So they well, kind of have a right to tell him. They yeah. have a right to tell him that, but at the end of the day, I mean, he just wants to get some shots up. Let him get some shots up. Do you know the, like the like the real irony of the situation? Montrez Harrell played five minutes. Montrez, yeah, Montrez he played Harrell. five minutes in the game, and he told Giannis, "Get off the court because I need to exercise." Because I sat on the bench for forty one minutes that night. Well, forty three math is hard. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, that the ladder gate. That's one of my favorite scandals in the NBA now because, oh. The ladder poor, game. Ladder, poor Giannis, man. Just wanted to get some free throws. Man just in. wanted to. And now people are I will say at one point, evil. I don't know if you guys saw, but Thanasis came out and Thanasis and Montrez had to be separated uh, before things broke. I love over. watching bench players fight each other. That's my favorite. That, was, that wasn't <laughs> only just Thanasis sticking up for no, his team, but he's sticking up for no, his brother. No, you're a scrubbier. It's we want attention. No, I want attention. <laughs> I, I give Thanasis the credit because not only was he defending his teammate, he's defending his brother. Yeah. So I give him that. But at the end of the day, like I said, I think just 
mantras. He's going to do what he can to get a rise out of you. And I think it worked. Oh, it worked. I, I think he finally broke Giannis, and Giannis is not an easy man to break. break Giannis. Giannis broke the ladder. Yeah, I mean, you do have a point on that. I mean, Gian- <laughs> Giannis is the champion here. I mean, who's who's real? I, I'm not going to say Giannis Antetokounmpo is broken because he, he no. Broke I'm saying he hair. finally broke that whole like. I've never seen Giannis do anything like that or even get remotely that mad. You've before. never seen Giannis get mad. Other than his rookie year when he actively <laughs> sought out the tackle, I think it was Tony Kukoc of the Bulls. <laughs> that just, was just funny. watch his playoff series with the Sixers. He absolutely hates Embiid. They. I, well, Giannis, I'm saying off Giannis the court is issues. Most, okay. I'm saying off the court. Okay, I was off the court. Giannis <laughs> is like one of the most emotionally charged players. I well, yeah, but like normally, me. whenever the game ends, he leaves it all out on the court. He doesn't for sure retain any of it post game that I've seen. He's funny. No, outside of it, he's a great guy. He's a funny guy. I follow him on Instagram. I think it's funny. Like he's he, a funny he, guy. He, yeah, he's, he's a good dude. Yeah, but I, I, like I said, I just think sure. Montrez was trying to get a rise out of him, and it definitely worked. As we saw, I think he, I don't know, like I said, Montrez is one of those guys that he'll bark in your ear until you finally snap and you do something about it. Definitely. We will see what happens there. Once again, quote from the great Jake Murren. <laughs> don't hear me say that very often, but it is a good quote. Next up, we will get into the MLB Awards, talk a little bit about the World Cup, and of course, everybody's favorite, our Hot Mike segment. So stick with us right here on Z88. Welcome back, sports fans, to the best talk show there is, was, and ever will be. I'm back with Matt Pamuka and Pat Weber. And I'm Logan Congrove. Once again, this is Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to our second hour, and we are going to get into the MLB. We're going to get into the World Cup, which just started today. And of course, everybody's favorite segment here on SPT, our Hot Might segment, which if you haven't gotten a chance to get your questions in, feel free to do so now. The tweet is up on WZIP Sports. Find it in our feed. Reply to the tweet with any questions. They can be sports-related or not sports-related. We will answer them live on the air. You won't want to miss it, so make sure you get your questions in. But we will start out with some MLB action all of us are the biggest MLB fans in the world here. <laughs> Baseball. Up here today. But we will talk the best we can about these awards. Starting off with, of course, the MVP awards for both leagues. American League was a guy that we all dislike. He ended it for the Guardians, unfortunately. That guy is Aaron Judge. I feel like this was one that we all knew was coming. Pat, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Aaron Judge winning American League MVP? I may not like the guy. But he deserved it more than anybody else. Um, I saw a lot of people saying that it should have been Shohei Otani. The mm. fact that Shohei Otani was even in the MVP talks at the end of the season surprises me because I think he had a very average season at best. Uh, yeah, he won it last year. That's cool and all, but nothing too crazy. Um, obviously, I feel like we can all agree that we would have loved to see Jose Ramirez take home the MVP. But when you set the American League home run mark with 62 home runs in a season, that's pretty much a landlock for uh, Aaron Judge to win MVP. Absolutely. And you know what? Before we get into it, 
Jake always gets so mad because things never break while they're on the air for him. Yes. And we do have breaking news out of the NBA. The Nets have announced that Kyrie Irving will now be available to play tonight versus the Grizzlies. He's missed the last eight games while serving his suspension. This is the first time I've ever broken news on the air with SBT, and I know it frustrates Jake that he never gets things like these <laughs> while he's hosting. So before we get back into the MLB super quickly, what do you guys think about Kyrie Irving returning for the Nets? Remember eight minutes ago when I said the Grizzlies got to play a Kyrie-less Nets? Scrap <clears throat> that from your mind. I, <laughs> I mean, the beauty of this show is your takes age like milk in the sun literally after uh, the 1 p.m. slate of NFL games. I didn't even get 10 minutes this time before I had a, something just age like milk. It's wonderful. <laughs> Pat? Wow, I'm surprised he is back so soon. Truthfully, I thought he would be out for a lot longer. I, I think under I, the table, I don't think that he completed those requirements. I don't I either, but I, I think they're just, just so desperate. I think there's. I think the Nets are now hitting a desperation point where they're like, we have to get Kyrie back on the court, otherwise Kevin Durant's going to leave. Yeah, I, I've learned to just never guess with that man because... He's too unpredictable. Kevin Durant should uh, request a trade, and then the Cavs should trade for him. Because that's that's feasible. Tank. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Do not touch this team, because we have a team that is perfect the way it is, in my opinion. I don't think if we added another superstar to this team, it it would work at all. Yep, definitely big breaking news out of the NBA. Once again, Kyrie Irving will return tonight versus the Grizzlies per Adrian Wojnarowski, but let's get back into the MLB awards. Matt, switching over to you on Aaron Judge winning American League MVP. Yeah, congratulations to Josh Naylor's son. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's a proud father right now. Uh, you know, Pat, you, you hit the nail on the head. You set the American League home run record. I mean, you, you have the award wrapped up. I mean, this was an historic season. I know I cannot stand the New York Yankees, but at the same time, you just have to look at that from just an observer of the game, and you look at Aaron Judge and you say, that's good for baseball. You know, he plays at a Little League ballpark, but at the same time, breaking (laughs) records is good for baseball because he gets people watching. And I would have been incredibly livid if ESPN interrupted all of my college football Saturdays to watch this man strike out if he did not win the MVP. Yep. I definitely think there was no other pick here for American League MVP. Like you said, Matt, it brought so much attention to baseball to the point where ESPN was cutting off games, football games, so people could see his every single at-bat, which was very frustrating as somebody who does not watch baseball like that. But moving over to the National League, Paul Goldschmidt is the winner for National League MVP, and according to MLB.com, in logging the best year of his career, veteran first baseman Paul Goldschmidt flirted with the triple crown en route to his first NL MVP award, hitting 317 with 35 homers and 115 RBIs and helping the Cardinals to the NL Central title. Matt, I'll start with you on this one. Thoughts on Paul Goldschmidt as the winner of National League MVP? I thought both MVP awards were pretty much locks. I mean, you'd look at any of the odds, there would be Paul Goldschmidt, Aaron Judge, and then the field. You know, these guys, uh, Goldschmidt... You know, you'd hope for better playoff success than what they had, but at the same time, it is a regular season award, and there's no doubt he was one of the best first basemen in all of the majors this year. For sure. I completely agree. I'd argue to say that he was the best first baseman in oh, oh, the yeah, MLB yeah, this yeah. year. Um, Goldie, what a run. I'm glad, I'm glad that he won the uh, NL MVP. He was the guy. I, I think Paul Goldschmidt is like a fan favorite. You can't hate oh, the yeah, guy. Everybody sure. loves Goldie. I'm happy that he finally got some recognition because he's always been that guy where, you know, you can tell that he was going to near a breakout season at some point. Yeah. I'm glad he finally did, and 
very, very well-deserved MVP award. Absolutely. Again, I actually picked Paul Goldschmidt at the MLB preview show that Jake Murren hosted. I picked Paul Goldschmidt to win National League MVP, and I was correct. I also picked Aaron Judge. I was also correct in that. So fantastic job by Paul Goldschmidt there. Like Pat said, a fan favorite. Not many other choices there, in my opinion. So let's swip over to the Pitchers Award, the MLB Cy Young Award. Starting off with the American League, receiving his second Cy Young Award is Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros. Again, according to MLB.com, after missing the entire 2021 season, Justin Verlander received a unanimous vote and became the 11th pitcher to win three or more Cy Young Awards and the fifth oldest pitcher to take home the award. So actually, I thought he only had two, so I stand corrected. He actually has three and he is the oldest pitcher to do so. Pat, what are your thoughts on Justin Verlander as the American League winner? I may not like Justin Verlander, just under the fact that he is a Houston Astro, but you can't deny greatness when it's staring you in the face. Justin Verlander, easily one of the most dominant pitchers in MLB history. Very well-deserved Cy Young Award right there. Absolutely, Matt. To come off Tommy John surgery at 38 39 and then pitch like you are 26, 27, that is a medical anomaly in itself right there. Everything about this season stood out. And, you know, it was an incredible season in itself, but just the fact that he had what is considered a career-ending surgery and then pitched like he was back in his prime. This was this was a not... Uh, words. This was, <laughs> this was probably the... Mo- this is the most well-deserved Cy Young Award in recent memory in my mind. Absolutely. I would agree. I don't necessarily like the guy, but I do like his girlfriend, Kate Upton. <laughs> we all do. She's <laughs> awesome. He's, Kate Upton. Dude, he's won at life. He has a ring, and he has a ring on that. Good for him. Yep, good for him. That's why I do like this pick. has nothing to do with Justin Verlander at all, except, like you said, the career-ending surgery that did not end his career is very impressive but what is even more impressive is the ring he has on Kate Upton's finger <laughs> so congratulations to Justin Verlander as the American League Cy Young winner this is on air this is <laughs> moving on over air. to the National League we have Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins a 27 year old Sandy Alcantara unanimously won the NL Cy Young with an old school mentality leading the majors in innings with 228 two thirds and a twirling six complete games, more than any other team this season. That commentary is also courtesy of MLB.com. Pat, I'll start with you on Sandy Alcantara. Like you said, old-school style pitching. We haven't seen that in a very, very long time. I, I can't even lie. Watching Sandy Alcantara pitch was electric this season. I'm, I was a little bit surprised that he won the NL Cy Young, but taking a look at how he actually played as an overall pitcher this season, I see now that there was no other option to go with other than Sandy Alcantara. So congratulations on the Cy Young. Oh, yeah. And then we talked, I hit on this last week when I was on the air. He had a couple of just dud games in August and September that really inflated his ERA. If you take out two or three games he pitched, his ERA would have been around a 1.4, which is absolutely insane. It was right around like a 2.3, I believe, off the top of my head. This this was an incredible performance anytime he stepped out on the mound this season. Absolutely. You know, anything that goes on in the three oh five is pretty awesome in Miami. So congratulations yeah. to Sandy Alcantara on that one. We have two more sets of awards to talk about super quickly. We'll start with the rookie of the year awards. 
we have the American League Rookie of the Year from the Seattle Mariners was Julio Rodriguez. Guys, what are your thoughts on him? Only reason he won Rookie of the Year is because of what he did in the home run derby. I, it should have been Stephen Kwan. I disagree completely. Ooh. Should have been Stephen Kwan. He, he was the driving force behind the feel good story of the season with Seattle. I he, he was an incredible player, and he just won over America at the home run derby. I think he would have won the award regardless. Because mm. Kwan finished third in the voting, it's not like we could even like say that. Yeah. Like if you take out uh, Rodriguez, it, it would have been Kwan. No, Kwan was third. I still think it should have been Stephen Kwan. I love the bias, but. <laughs> No, but seriously, I mean, when you take a look at what J-Rod was able to accomplish in just his rookie season alone, let alone he started his official rookie debut later than oh, yeah. anybody else in the AL voting. So, like I said, I wish it would have been Stephen Kwan, um, but taking a look at it, it, w- it had to have been J-Rod. Especially, like you said, after the home run derby. That yeah. just kind of won everybody over. Absolutely. And next up we have Michael Harris the second of the Atlanta Braves as the NL Rookie of the Year winner. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the NL was more contested, just based on odds. I think Michael Harris is probably the safe pick, and I agree with it. I agree. It was the safe pick to go with in the NL. Uh, I didn't really think too many NL rookies were outstanding this year while taking a look, but I'm glad that Michael Harris did win it because I think he was the most deserving of the award. Absolutely. And then the last two awards we have for our MLB 2022 awards are Manager of the Year. I'm going to start with the National League this time so we can finish with the one that everybody loves. National League Manager of the Year was Buck Showalter of the New York Mets. Thoughts? If you listened last week, Casey Rush and I got heated over this. Oh, I listened. I thought it was, this was the only time I'd ever gotten like heated on SPT. And I thought it was going to be Dave Roberts of the Dodgers. Casey told me it was going to be Buck Showalter. Casey, you were right. W. Casey. I disagree. W. Casey. <laughs> Casey, you were right. Pat? I'm, I'm glad it was Buck Showalter. I know a lot of people don't like the Mets. I have a soft spot. It's all about the Mets. I have a, the, yeah, I have a soft spot in my heart. For, it's all about <laughs> the Mets. Let's go Mets, baby. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that he won it because I'm sick and tired of, you know, I feel like the safe bet is just always to pick whoever's managing the Dodgers. 111 wins, though. But but they don't do a thing with it. It's a regular season award. I don't want to have this conversation again. They also spend the most out of any team in the And they win the most out of anybody in the regular season. But they don't win World Series. It's a regular season award. The Mets got bounced, too, in the first round. The Mets... No, Buck Showalter, well-deserved. Oh. Very well-deserved in my mind. Well, I can change topics. I don't want to do this again. <laughs> it is time to switch <laughs> topics. But before we do that, American League Manager of the Year, hopefully there's no controversy between Pat and Matt on this one, is Terry Francona of the Cleveland Guardians. We already know what that deserves here. I'm going to click it right now. Woo! Tito is your American League Manager of the Year. Quick thoughts on him. You know, I think what really won him the award was after the uh, wild card game when he was driving around downtown Cleveland in the scooter <laughs> and flip-flops. I think the MLB voters saw that and were like, yep, you're the Manager of the Year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. There was nobody else that should have won this award no other than else. Tito. Nobody. At all. If if somebody else would have won, I assure you. Taking the youngest team in the league one game away from the ALCS. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Fantastic pick there. 
as manager of the year. We love Tito Francona here in Cleveland. Guys, it is now time for our Hot Mike segment here oh on Sports Power Talk. If, for those of you who are not aware of what this segment is, I'll reiterate again. Hot Mike is where you, as the fans of Sports Power Talk, can get your takes in on our show by replying to our Twitter at WZIP Sports with any questions you may have in regards to this sports world or world in general. So I'm going to start from the bottom and go to the top, starting off with Anthony Nichols. He comes in with a question saying, what are the impacts of the men's soccer team moving to the Big East? Impacts on the program, MAC Athletics as a whole, all of Akron Athletics, ETC. Pat, we kind of touched on this earlier, so I'll let you give another quick, brief explanation mm-hmm. on I this. think that us moving to the Big East is a outstanding move. I mean, like you kind of said at the beginning of the show, Logan, with how good Akron men's soccer is, we have no business playing in the MAC at all. We are running teams that are in the Big Ten is how good we are. We we have players in the World Cup this year is how good we are. Um, I think moving to the Big East, a conference that is far superior to athletics than the MAC, I think that is an outstanding move, and I think that's going to elevate uh, just how good we really are. Absolutely. Great question there from Anthony Nichols. I echo everything that Pat said. Our next question comes from Joey Sandals, who I can tell right away is a Kent State student, saying, why is Kent State so much better than Akron? Guys, I don't even think we have to actually answer this one. I'm just going to do this. Incorrect, Joey. Totally false. The only thing I have to say about that is uh, if you're so much better than us, how can we own you in every single sport other than football? Outside of football, we own them. Yeah. Sure, Pat. We do. We yeah, Kent's bad. <laughs> they are well, bad. We're better. I, Nobody I, likes I Kent can, State. I can imagine he's bringing that up because Kent is five and zero in basketball. Um, but I'm sorry that you have to play a bunch of nobodies because you're so embarrassed that you got fathered by us in the MAC championship. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry don't that sincere Carey has to go ahead and play. Like I don't even know who they've played. I'm pretty sure they played. I, I don't even know. They, they're playing schools that I've never heard of. W so I'm out here like you okay, know. Pat, go on. All I'm saying is we have. The Zips, we have the most difficult schedule in our program's history, and we're sitting at 2-1. and one. Yeah, we took that one loss, but cool. Kent State, I'm sorry, play some real competition, and then you can talk to us about anything. <laughs> Man, Pat just went sicko mode. Oh <laughs> Thank you for that question, Joey Sandos. Our next question comes in from Zachary Stratton. He has two. The first one we did touch on a little bit. Matt, I'll let you reiterate your points on this one. How do you feel about the Cavs' recent skid? Is this something to worry about as a fan? Kind of, because what's causing this skid is the inability to close out games and the inability to guard wings. I think early in the season, I mean, I can think of both those Boston games early on. You close those games out flawlessly. And then we have this past week where that, that, that Cavs team that closed out those Boston games is just MIA. And you know, until you can guard a wing, I don't know if that means acquiring someone at the deadline or hoping to God Isaac Okoro can somehow develop a jump shot and grow. I think that's a problem you're going to face all season. Real quick, Matt, I do have something I want to ask you stemming okay. off of this. So I, this is something I just thought of, and okay. I've been thinking about it since we talked about the Cavs' yeah. lack of a three. Would you be opposed to trading Isaac Okoro and a draft pick? Probably like a low second round, mid to low second round draft pick to the Los Angeles Clippers in return for Robert Covington. Would the Clippers accept that? They probably w- they would because they be, they have four. plenty of <laughs> the Clippers have probably one of the deepest forward uh, rosters but in the I, league. And I think if you I put would, Isaac I would make I would make that move in a heartbeat. See? I think that the, I think the Cavs should look to acquire uh, 
Robert Covington. I think Robert Covington is he's the forward that we need. He's an outstanding defender, and he can get you at least ten to probably ten to fifteen points a game I that would, you need. I would, I, I would love to see us getting him. I just wanted to throw that out there while we were on the topic. I, I of love the that cats. hypothetical. Thank you, Pat. Absolutely, W. Pat on that one. And Zach's next question is favorite holiday or Christmas movie. The best Christmas movie of all time is Christmas Vacation. <laughs> you cannot change my mind. Cousin Eddie is an icon to the <laughs> United States of America. Right. The, the Santa Claus 2. 2. I also deeply two. respect that. The San, this, I, I like that one so much more because we've already established that Tim Allen is Santa. And now he just has to, you know, he has got to go find a wife. And I think the third one gets a little bit unhinged because he has to, like, fight off Jack Frost or whatever. The second one's my personal favorite. I'm a big fan of the third one. I'm not going to lie to you. No, that's a very valid. That's my favorite Christmas series. It's a great Christmas series. I would say my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I'm going to probably go Elf. I just think Will Ferrell is very, very safe pick and very, very, very valid pick. So thank you for those questions, Zach, and hope you have a very happy holiday. Next question. I've been looking forward to this one all week. Comes from our own Dan Groen, and he says, "In a neutral environment, who wins in a fight, a hippo or a polar bear?" A hippo. (laughs) Have you seen what hippos do to people and other animals? That they fight. Okay, but hear me out. A hippo can't turn around. It's on all fours. The grizzly bear can go up from behind and just, like, claw at it. Hippos, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how hard the hippo can bite if the grizzly bear can jump on its back. What, it's a polar, polar bear. bear. Yeah, um, the same thing. And they both have claws and teeth. But I just sure. want to say that the hippos kill more people per year than, like, alligators and, like, crocodiles do. Okay, but look. Like, hippos are, like, very dangerous. I think I'd have to go with the hippo, too, because I think that they also have better endurance than a polar than bear. Than a bear? I would say so. Look how <laughs> it's big, a hippo! Look how big, but they continue to go. They are tanks. They are units. They are absolute academic weapons academic out in nature, we- it's all right? It's a hippo. <laughs> they are the it's academic weapons of nature. It's got a powerful jaw. It can't move around. But all I have to say is the minute that the polar Dude, bear would swipe ju- at it, it's just the hippo a turtle just with a jaw. You put it on its back, it can't move. The hippo is one of the most dangerous things. It's one of the most dangerous animals. If I'm you're so, standing if it gets a hold right of its in arm, front of it, it, the polar bear can go around the hippo. It can't. T- but you have it to think that it doesn't have thumbs. Dan, I have to give it you, to the you hippo. You incited a huge <laughs> argument here, Dan. But great question, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, next question comes in from this show's number one fan, who used to be my number one hater, but it appears it is not that way anymore, so I appreciate that. He has been nice to me for a whole three days, wow. which is unbelievable. Congratulations. You know what, Jake Bernagot? I know you're listening right now, so I'm just going to give it to you. <laughs> You're a good dude. But his question is, was Justin Jefferson's one-handed catch last Sunday better than Odell's one-handed catch in 2014? Oh, that's 4th t- and 18, man. Ah, it's 1A and 1B. I think you could argue either way, and you'd be correct. I'm going to say, uh, was it a better catch? Yes. Is it more iconic? No. Great because answer. Because the Odell catch started the whole thing of, toss it up, let me Odell him. Yeah. Like being at the pool Absolutely. with your friends and yep. stuff, yep. you know, you playing jackpot, throw it up, I'm oh, gonna Odell yeah. it. Oh yeah. yeah. For sure. That started that. Like that can never be replaced in terms of just like Definitely. Odell is a verb now. It, it, he is. Before I get into Jake Murnigoat's couple questions that he has, I did miss Jeff Longville's question no. last time I was hosting. So I'm gonna give Jeff Longville the next question before we run out of time. His question was who wins the game next week? 
Ohio Is this a State. question? OH. IO. There we go. I will Great question, Jeff. Back. Hope you're doing well. However, it will be Ohio State. Okay. We hope you're doing well. Everybody at WZIP Sports says hello. But back to Jake Marina Goat's questions. His next question was, is the World Cup being held in Qatar the worst thing to happen in sports history, or if not, one of the worst? Yeah. Oh. With... With the things I can say on air, yes. Yes. Let's not, I, let's, genuinely. Let's, let's not get fired. Let's, uh, yeah, I, I I like the idea of hosting it there. However, um, given the laws and such of Qatar, uh, not the greatest It's up there on my list, I would say. Yeah. I think this rivals the 1936 Olympics. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Okay. Um, not, that was probably the worst. Yeah, I know. If if you know your history, yeah, let's then, not get fired. Yeah, and let's so, uh, whew, um, let's move on. Long story short, yeah, it was a pretty bad move. Okay, on guitar. Jake Murnigo <laughs> trying to get us fired. Uh, <laughs> hey, guess what? Jake Murnigo was just mean to me on Twitter. So change your bio, please. <laughs> okay, done Fine, for. Bro. I'm not complimenting you again, sir. So next question we have is also from Jake Murnigo, and he says, Logan, what do I have to do to get a follow from you? Well, sir, you just lost even more momentum than you already had. Back to square one. Change your bio, and we'll Rip. talk about it later. Oh boy. Next question from Jake Murin a Goat. What is the real reason that Goat Murin was wearing a heat jersey? Jake Murin a Goat, I tried to tell you. Jake chose to wear that jersey. The theme, I will give you a better explanation, though. The theme of the Akron Tips basketball game on Tuesday was jersey theme. Jake Murin owns no basketball jerseys whatsoever, and I own tons of them. And I sent him a whole slew of jerseys that he could borrow, and that's the one he picked. So he did. He willingly picked that. He I willingly picked it. it. I so he him. is a part of the culture. Now, that's a great question he's there, start, Jake He's Murin starting Murin on. It's like WZIP's QAnon. For sure. We're going to call Jake, Jake Murnigo. Also, glad you were able to meet our own Dan Groen. That made a lot of noise in our group chat. And Dan actually said you were a pretty good kid. So it's great to hear from you. Keep giving your you? questions, and we appreciate your support of the show. Moving on to our next question asker as we close out the Hot Mic segment. Comes in from a frequent question asker, Cam429, and he has three questions. His first one is, what college QB right now do you think are NFL ready? None of them. In my opinion, none of them. None C.J. of them. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young has Hendon, he struggled greatly. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis in two years, for sure. Two or three, but like out out of the gates, none of these guys are NFL ready okay. week one when they get drafted. Next question from Cam four two nine was: Would you rather have the World Cup in Ukraine or Qatar? Pass. Uh, no pass. comment. <laughs> All right. Wow. They really, they really want us fired. Pass on that question. Wow. <laughs> I have one better. United States next time. For there sure. We go. Okay. There you go, Pat. Ooh. And his next question was: Would you rather have your favorite team win one championship and be terrible for ten years after, or just be mid every year? Give me win the, the championship. Give me the ring. ring. Yep, please, Absolutely. please, for sure. I would definitely go. That ring. means I could see the Blue Jackets finally win the well. Stanley Cup. And then I he has. Cam four two nine has two more questions before we close out our hot mic segment. Do you believe NIL has improved or hurt parity in college sports as a whole? I think it's neutral. Mm. Neutral. I think it's starting to hurt it a little bit. Okay. Nothing too too crazy, but you have to think that because of how big like NIL is now, that also influences heavily on the transfer portal. That's why so many people want to transfer the minute their season is over because, oh, hey, because NIL is a thing now, uh, I can continue to grow my name as a brand. Right. Say, and, you know, say you're a player here at Akron, right? You're getting some noise, you know. Not the most, you know, we're middle pack conference, you know, not great by any means. Uh, then you get an offer to go to LSU. 
you're going to go to LSU because you have a chance to grow your name as a brand. That's why I think If that we were sending guys to LSU, we would be better than one and nine. But listen, <laughs> it's just simply that our football team is cursed. Okay. Simply, okay, it's it's the curse of Tom Arth. Okay. He has left the stain on this program that will never be able to be wiped away. Okay. And quickly, Cam429's final question was, what is one team from any sport that you are not a fan of but you would like to see win a championship for whatever reason? Oh, boy, this is tough. I will be honest here. Um, this is going to surprise quite the amount of people, uh, considering how big of a Pittsburgh Steelers fan that I am. He's going to say it. However, if I had to pick one team that I'm not a fan of, but I would like to see them win a championship, it would be the Cleveland Browns. Oh, wow. Simply because... If the other sounder wasn't playing right now, Pat, I'd give you the applause. Simply simply because I dislike the Bengals more than I dislike the Browns. Plus, I think Browns fans, you guys have suffered long enough. You guys deserve a championship. Appreciate it. I would like to see the Tennessee Titans win because I just think Nashville would be in the world's... They would have the world's greatest party that night. Agreed. That would, that would be the world's greatest party. Uh, the only party that would have that would be if, like, the Browns won. Exactly. Except I don't think that would be a party. I think the but city like would just be Nashville's a party fire. city, too. <laughs> that is true. Cleveland would burn. Nashville <laughs> would binge. Cleveland, drink. so when if Cleveland, like, wins the uh, Super Bowl, I think we just have the celebration here in Akron. Okay. All right. My pick would be the Buffalo Bills. I know we're playing them this week, but I would love to see the Buffalo Bills finally win a championship. That is going to close out our Hot Mic segment. When we come back, we will talk a little bit about the World Cup. Then we will slip into our NFL segment and our NFL pickums. You won't want to miss it, as well as our Around the Rue question. Stick with us right here on Z88. Welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me is... Matt from Yuka. And Pat Weber. And we are in our final 30 minutes of the show for today. And we're going to talk a lot about the Cleveland Browns and the NFL, per usual, get into our pickums for all of the games this weekend. But before we do that, I just wanted to touch on the World Cup just a little bit. For those of you who aren't aware... The 2022 World Cup does begin today. The World Cup happens every four years. There are many participating countries. It's a great event for teams around the world, and it's a great world event, I should say. Pat, I'll start with you on this one, as we did just record a World Cup podcast. We did indeed. But give a little update as to what's going on in the World Cup as we speak. So, as you mentioned, today is the first official day that the World Cup is taking place. There's only one game taking place today, and it is playing. Uh, there, The game is currently going on right now. It is the matchup between the host country of Qatar and Ecuador. Uh, right now, Ecuador is winning 2 nothing in the uh, 73rd minute of the game. Um, so far, it seems it's a dominating performance from Ecuador, but you know, looking at all the countries, Ecuador, they normally are one of the powerhouses coming out of uh, South America, so nothing too surprising there. For sure. I I think this game was one that we knew was going to happen that way. Qatar never really stood a chance in any of the groups they were going to be slotted in um, when you take a look at all of those. For sure. But let's talk a little bit about our own home country, the United States of America, taking on Wales tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Pat, what is your prediction for this matchup and possibly for the U.S. this whole entire World Cup? 
Well, I don't want to spoil too much out of our uh, World Cup preview, um, but I do think that this game tomorrow at 2 p.m. will be an absolute blowout. Uh, the United States... Excuse me. Uh, the U.S., we should be able to handle Wales fairly, fairly easily um, because the United States this year actually has one of the better rosters that we've seen uh, in history, um, I think. So I think that the United States this year will probably be one of our best years for the World Cup on record. Absolutely. Hopefully the U.S. has a great run. Like Pat said, I don't want to spoil too much of our podcast. For those of you who are interested more about the World Cup, make sure you check out Sports Power Talk Overtime, available on all streaming platforms. That podcast will release tomorrow morning. You will not want to miss it. Me and Pat have a lot of good banter in there about soccer. I know Matt is not the biggest soccer guy, but he is the biggest football guy, which most of you are as well. So let's get into our NFL action, starting off with the impending Browns versus Bills game this afternoon. There's been lots of drama and lead up to this game, mostly on the Buffalo side as opposed to us. This game was moved to Ford Field in Detroit due to the snow. There was talk that Bills players couldn't get out of their house. Fans were getting them out with snowmobiles. Matt, I'll start with you. What are your expectations for this game now being played in Detroit? Does it make a difference for the Cleveland Browns? So I want to acknowledge like a point I think a lot of Browns fans were optimistic about where if we played in the snow, that was supposed to be some great equalizer i'm missing the part where the snow makes our defense remember how to tackle and specifically (laughs) be able to tackle josh allen i'm missing that part like i i didn't understand that logic from fans i i did not uh but uh now that we're in a dome uh, in detroit josh allen's gonna do some unspeakable things to this defense man (laughs) If you have him in fantasy, congratulations, because you're winning your matchup this week. I am, oh, this is going to be a really painful four hours, and I've kind of just braced for impact already. I don't know, Pat. You're not a Browns fan, so let's hear I, what you think. I am not a Browns fan, but as an observer of the team, looking in, I personally can see this going one of two ways. The first way is the way that every Browns fan expects this game to go. We win? Which is Josh Allen being Josh Allen. Okay. Um, The second possible outcome is an outcome that I discussed last night with a lot of my friends. Is that it would be the most Cleveland Browns thing to blow out the Buffalo Bills. Completely destroy them. (laughs) Okay. But in return of blowing out the Buffalo Bills, you will not win another game this season. Okay. Can I, can I point out what I think would be the most Brownsian thing of this season now that you brought yes. that up? I think we go 3-8, and eight, we run the table with Deshaun Watson, we finish as the 8th seed, and the New York Jets finish at 10-7 and seven as the 7th seed. And because we didn't fall on that onside kick, we miss out on the playoff spot. I think that'd be the most Browns conclusion to this season. But That I would do, be a very Browns conclusion. I do believe that what you said would be a very Brownsian thing, but I think... My scenario is how, what, I, what I would feel as the most Browns way to end the season. I can see both. I can see that happening. Honestly, more so than the uh, prediction that I had had with some of my friends. Well, here's the thing: they blew out the Bengals and then completely just whatever last week was against the Dolphins. Whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry about last week. I was I was watching some of that, and you and I was like, "How did you go from?" I watched Nick Chubb just be Nick Chubb. Yep. And then I watched Nick Chubb be Najee Harris. It was night and day. It was night and day. Okay. Fantasy-wise, I was uh, not very happy. Okay. But, um, yeah, I I said I don't understand how, kind of like you said, how you go from beating the Bengals 
32 to 13. And then the following week, he was 39 to 17. Two words, uh, Joe Woods. Why are we still giving this guy the benefit of the doubt? At this point, if everybody actually thinks our season is shot, I don't think it is, but if our season is shot, mm. why why is he still the coach? Why because is he still on our If our season staff? is shot and you're not playing for anything, why would you fire him? Like, Let him finish out okay. the season because if there's a chance that he can improve, you still have that. You don't have to look for a coach at that point. Like If you were going to fire him, it was going to be after the bye week, but he remembered how to be a competent D.C. against the Bengals and save his job. That's also because Joe Burrow just can't play against the Browns. That's fair. That's yeah. Okay. Good point. Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would agree with Matt. I think that this is going to be a long four hours for Browns fans. I think this is also one of those games, though, where the Browns sometimes just appear. So it could really go either way, but I'm going to elect to go with Matt. I think that. It's just going to be a long day for the Browns, unfortunately. Uh, Josh Allen is going to be all over that Browns defense. Miles Garrett might get to him a time or two, but our secondary is just going to get blown out of the water by by these guys. Stephon Diggs is going to absolutely burn whoever we decide Gabe to put on. Oh, you know, no, this this is going to be the week where Devin Singletary runs for 200 yards. Yes. Our secondary has been fairly competent. We played the Chargers... And the Falcons, we did a great job of taking away their deep threats. It's just all of their no-name, uh, all their no-name running backs suddenly became prime Adrian Peterson. And so I think Devin Singletary will probably have the game of his life today. I think that's how this will go. Pat, I could see it happening. Honestly, um, the Browns' defensive line has not been. Uh, oh, too hot this Even year. Even look at Miami last that's year. We took, we took away Waddle and Hill for the most part. And then Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moster just gashed us on the ground. I yes, it's it's, it, it's gonna they be focused dead. too much on the wide receivers as opposed to oh. all around. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It was a rough week for the Browns, and I'm assuming it's probably going to be a rough week again. Like we said, moving on from the Browns Bills game, let's stick with the Cleveland Browns though. Deshaun Watson's impending return. This is big news for the Browns. And it's also going to tie in with our Around the Rue, which I will get to shortly. But upon Deshaun Watson's return, what do you see happening for the Browns going forward as soon as he steps back into the QB1 position? You are going to have an offense that can put up 35 points at will. I, 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 people forget how good this guy is. Say what you want about him off the field, and there's a lot to say, and you're probably right to say that. But when he is under center, this guy is special. And he's going, he's going to open up so many different things. You can't play bare fronts against this team now, so Nick Chubb's going to have better running lanes because Watson can pick you apart. Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to emerge as a solid deep threat these last six games of the season, and Amari Cooper is going to be prime Amari Cooper again. This, this, these last six games, it's going to be a completely different team. Absolutely. Pat, will it? Oh, Yes. The only reason I'm asking is, and I know that it was the preseason, was the last time, well, the only time we've seen Deshaun Watson yeah. play, outside of two years ago when he was still a Houston Texan. Right. Um, however, in those preseason snaps... All five um, of them. All five of those He passes. looked, if I may say, uh, abysmal. I was Anthony Schwartz dropped four of those and ran the wrong route on the fifth. Um but all I have to say is I don't under like I understand that, like yes this is a guy that is very special we've seen what he can do when he okay. was playing in Houston but I just don't know how much I trust a guy that got outperformed by Joshua Dobbs in the preseason 
against um, the preseason. Deshaun played two snaps. Man, he series. played two snaps. He played two snaps. I'm just saying, we'll, we'll see how it goes, I think. I think that right now it's still a toss-up because we've seen Jacoby Brissett win you games. We've also seen <laughs> him lose you games. <laughs> what game did he win us? Panthers. Okay. Um, Panthers game. I think the Panthers lost that game. Uh, I think Cade York was going to lead on accident that day. But okay, okay. Well, we also played all right, here, Baker here, Baker interception maker. Here, here, so here's here's my counter to that. Okay, Jacoby Brissett EPA wise is a top ten quarterback, and Jacoby Brissett is nowhere near the talent of Deshaun Watson. You plug. I'm in just saying. Watson. I don't think it's a for sure lock that he Deshaun he'll be the he'll be QB one when he comes yeah. back. But we'll see how long it stays as him being QB one. You think he gets benched? He he could because nobody's really seen how what? he's played at all. Oh, these are December December 4th around 5 p.m. I'm going to be taking a lot of victory laps and not because I'm not Deshaun Watson the player I'll be right about. The person plenty to say. I just he, I just uh, don't want to have anybody like jump the gun on him. Like, yes, he's a very special quarterback, but again, he Oh, no, I'll not. We haven't I, seen him play in 2 years. That's my only as as an outsider looking in, he has hasn't played. Yeah, I'll jump the years, gun you know? on it. He's going to be elite. It, I'll I'll say that right now. I definitely think Deshaun Watson makes a major difference for the Cleveland Browns coming coming back into the lineup. But another thing with Deshaun Watson's return. Let's flip this. What does this do? What does this mean for Jacoby Brissett? What is his role going forward? We know he's the backup, obviously, but do you think he accepts that role? Or do you think, does his time as a starter actually help him next season when he's a free agent? Oh, I think he's going to make himself a nice good old payday next year. Kind of like how Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota were this offseason. I think Jacoby just earned himself a good eight. And good for him. A good, yeah, he's a very good dude. I, I love Jacoby so much. I He's going to get himself a very nice chunk of change this March. Pat, yeah, what do you I think this means happening. for Jacoby? I, I think he's going to go to a team that is struggling to find a quarterback, such as like the Detroit Lions. He'll where, be, yeah, he'll be a good bridge yeah. guy. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think you know he's not a bad quarterback by any means, but he certainly, I don't think he should be the, the guy that you lean on game in and game out, but he can definitely get the job done. So I think going to a subpar team is probably where he sees himself. Uh, yeah. Like I said, much like Detroit, I could even see him possibly even going to Green Bay with how poorly Aaron Rodgers has played this Jordan season. Love. Okay, so you, you, okay, you predicted whoa, 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 Jacoby whoa, whoa. to take away Deshaun Watson's you job, and said, now Aaron Rodgers' job. You just said Jordan Love. They didn't draft him to not play him. If Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback there next year, Jordan Love is. I guarantee it. Um, a lot of times I don't think team, Jordan Love is lo- good, but well, I do think they're going to give the guy the chance. Over my thing else. is, a lot of teams will draft quarterbacks and they already have a good quarterback, you know, to back them up, and then those quarterbacks end up being the worst quarterbacks ever. Uh, prime example: Mason Rudolph. Um, mm. That dude is terrible. Mason Rudolph was not a first round pick, though. He was a second Jordan Love pick. shouldn't have been a first round pick. He should not have been. No, he shouldn't have, but he was, which means the Packers have intention of playing him at some point. That's just the Packers taking an L already. I would not trust Jordan Love at all. Like, okay. I'm, I'm not kidding. I wouldn't. I would trust Jacoby Brissett more to back up somebody like A-Rod. All right. If A-Rod's still their quarterback. If A-Rod is still their quarterback, of course, because this year he has had the IQ of Deshaun Kaiser, it seems, at times. Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, boy. Well... Sticking with the Cleveland Browns, can they still make a push with Deshaun Watson coming back? Kind of ties into that question. But actually, before I get to that point, our around the root question does have something to do with Jacoby Brissett. It also has something to do with 
Deshaun Watson. And if, for those of you who don't know what Around the Rue is, is where we debate around the table and bring the question to you via our Twitter account at WZIP Sports. And this week's question is, should the Browns be giving first-team practice reps to Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett upon Watson's return? And I'm talking right now while Jacoby is still on the field. Who should be receiving the first-team reps? I want to get your guys' take before we send it to Twitter. Deshaun gets all of them. It should be Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he... I, I don't think there's much debate there. I would agree. I think Deshaun Watson should be receiving you the first team quarter, reps to get you adequate. a quarter of a billion dollars on him. I oh, would yeah. hope he's getting all the reps. Oh, you, you better get him ready. For sure. So that Twitter post is now up. Make sure you go vote. Again, our Twitter is at WZIP Sports. Check it out. You will not want to miss this one. But like I said, now that Deshaun Watson is facing his return, can the Browns still make a push? You'd have to win one of these next two games somehow to even to, for me to view you as a contender. You need to be four and seven when Deshaun Watson steps back in the lineup. I don't think you're going to be four and seven. I would love them to prove me wrong. I would say they probably have to sell their soul for a win today or next week, but they already sold their soul when they got Watson. So <laughs> that, they don't. I I agree with what Matt says. If if you win the next one of the next two games at least, maybe. But if you drop the next two games like you're supposed to, there really isn't a big chance that you make it. The only way you make it is if somehow, in some way, the Baltimore Ravens just drop the ball. That's the only way. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's going to be tough for the Browns, honestly. But I think that these next two games are key. But as I just played before, my prediction as a realistic Browns fan is playoffs no chance i don't see them making it over the baltimore ravens right now jake Goat. i don't even want to hear it dude don't tell me on twitter <laughs> that the ravens are the best team ever they're not they're just the best team in this garbage division this That's, year yeah they play the panthers today they'll get a free win they play their schedule so easy they're a joke up, man jake Goat, the baltimore ravens are a joke nobody up here at you know, hey, speaking of which, likes them so jake Murray goats a ravens fan jake murren's a baker mayfield fan they're going to have to collide today. Ooh, is is Baker starting today? Yes, he's starting today. Ooh, okay. Uh, hey, Jake Murnigo, send us a tweet right now of what your thoughts on that about your biggest fan. Your Jake Murn, the actual Jake Murn, will be against you this week. Tweet at WZIP Sports right Murin, now. Right now. I would like to see, and Jake Murn, if you're listening, I would like to hear both of your thoughts while we're still live on air, while we continue to talk NFL football. I will be waiting for both of those tweets, hopefully at least one of you hear us. Matt. Yes. Our fantasy league is a big popular topic on our WZIP sports. I wanted to get a quick update from you as to what's going on. And this is our opportunity to talk about how bad Pat Weber's team is. Uh, Let's hear from you, Pat. I mean, excuse me, from Matt. What do you think is going on in our fantasy league right now? Well, first off, so for those that didn't listen to our draft episode back in August, Pat Weber took Najee Harris number one overall. And Pat Weber now sits tied for second to last at three and seven, five games back of the playoffs. Pat. You okay, Pat? Listen, um, the only good player I had on my team was Brees Hall. Okay. And yeah, he's gone. And yeah. Pat, we but actually made a trade, though. We did make a blockbuster trade, yeah. and that did help me a little bit. Um, and then I made a trade again. Although I still don't have a running back core because I don't think. 
Uh, Cordero Patterson and Najee Harris is exactly what I was looking for at this point in the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot. This year has been terrible. Um, also because my backup quarterback, I dropped very, very quickly. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he, yep. uh, yeah, he got cut. That was an awful draft. Imme- like, following the Browns game, I cut Baker Mayfield. Okay. Well, I thought about holding on to him to hold as a trade piece for Jake because I know Jake cannot say no to Baker Mayfield. Yep. Um, however, th- I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. Every player that I drafted that I had high hopes to be like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to be like stars this year. They've had mm-hmm. one good week, and the rest of the time they've been injured, they've been underperforming, and I am sad. Well, I'll try to wrap up the rest of this pretty quickly so we can get to our pick But uh, in the Western Conference, Alex and I are in a dogfight for the uh, one seed in the playoffs overall. Alex is 8-2. and two, I'm 7-3. and three. Alex has the head-to-head tiebreaker. Good old Jake Murren. Winning that Eastern Conference with ease. Seven and three over there, 95% playoff chance. And then the final playoff spot, there are four people in contention for this Casey Rush, Logan Congrove, Dan Groen, and Logan Buchanan are all in the mix for the final playoff spot. So it's anyone's game right now. We will have another fantasy football podcast episode out for you a week from tomorrow. Beautiful. So the Monday after Thanksgiving, we'll have another episode out. So. Make sure you're uh, following SPTOT on all podcast platforms there. Pat, are you doing okay? I know your fantasy team is... <sighs> yeah, no. I don't... Uh, but you know, Pat, I get it. Brees Hall, was, that's tough for you. He, he was my team, and like he's the reason that I had, even those three wins, Like he's the reason that I was winning. And then the minute he went down, I was just like, yeah, my team is... It, my team is done, because yeah. even when I had Patrick Mahomes, he wasn't doing well fantasy-wise at all even when i had him so it's like i didn't i don't really have any bright spots on my team all right well guys let's get into our pickums per usual starting off with the chicago bears at the atlanta falcons atlanta pat i'm taking atlanta on this one they have been a surprise team this season i think i'm going bears justin fields justin fields has been lights out these past two weeks i think so lights out he lost to detroit yep but he's lights out. That's okay. all that matters. All right. Anyway, it's a team. All right. Let's, let's run through these, man. We're up against time. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Next up, we got the Philadelphia Eagles at the Indianapolis Colts. Fly, Eagles, fly. Go, Birds. Eagles win as well for me. No way that they lose two in a row. I think this Eagles team is just that strong. Next up, the New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Oh. You know exactly who I'm picking in this one. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. I'm also going me my Mark Sanchez jersey. New York? Okay. New York's been impressive this year, guys. All right. Have been. All Both right. New York teams have been impressive this year. All right. Next up, we have the L.A. Rams at the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, the big headline with the Saints is it's not looking like Jameis Winston is going to get his job back, which is a little bit disappointing because you I don't think you should Andy ever... Dalton would have taken that And I think spot. he's the lesser quarterback. I don't understand why. I don't think a guy should ever lose their opportunity to start after an injury. I, I think they should think... get their job back, and if they're terrible, then you pull them. Yeah. I also don't think you should start a quarterback that lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alas, the that's, Saints are at that point. That's still, also so. fair. I know Stafford's got some injuries. Cooper Cup's out for a while per Adam Schefter. I will still take the Rams, though. I will also still take the Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams as well over the Saints. Next up, the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. Give me the Giants. Like you said, New York, New York. G-Men for sure for me as well. Jake Murray, a goat. I did see reply for this next game, <laughs> and he says, he says, 
Ravens Super Bowl. Oh, okay, God. buddy. All right. No. All right, Jake Murnico. We now see that you have no logic behind your takes. I'm so, still taking the Ravens in this game, though. No, Pat. Ball, f- it's Actually, Baker wait. Mayfield. Okay, okay. The real <laughs> Man, question. This is the hard. real question for you is who do you hate more? I hate the Ravens. Baker more. Mayfield or the, the Baltimore Ravens? You guys are not going to believe this, but I do hate the Ravens more. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to. I'm going with the logical pick here. It's Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh I really hate this. Baker's three and five in his career against the Ravens. About to be three and six. Yep. I don't like the Ravens either. I gotta go with the Ravens. No right. way. Dude, see, there you go. I really don't like them. I really don't like Baker Mayfield, but it's just not realistic. Thank you. Next Thank you up, for... the Washington Commanders at the Houston Texans. Commanders. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um yeah, I'm also gonna say the Commanders. I can't believe that they are five hundred right now. And Taylor Heineke, yeah. man. Gotta go to the Beast. Commanders as well for me. Next game, the Las Vegas Raiders at Let's Ride the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I'm taking the Broncos. The Raiders have been abysmal this year. I'll take the Raiders, actually. I don't think either no team way. deserves to win. They should just tie. No, they're zero, both zero trash, tie. in my Zero, yeah. zero tie. I'm going to go with the Raiders, cause, just because okay, I just don't. All right, all right. I don't Fair think enough. Denver's good, and Russell Wilson has been terrible, terrible in fantasy all year long, so I'm not picking him. Next up, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the Minnesota Vikings. I'm Vikings. taking the Vikings. Oh, yeah. They've um, been stellar this year. Vikings are on fire. I could see the Vikings potentially in the Super Bowl. Okay. I said going yeah. into this season, I said that the Vikings will win their division, and everybody called me crazy. I agree with you. The Packers still have Aaron Rodgers. I agree with you, Pat. All right. Cool. They have Aaron Rodgers. Who else do they have? Enlighten me, please. Right. Next up, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Squealers. I'm going to do it. Pittsburgh. Yep. Gotta I'm, go. I'm going to go with the Steelers as well because... Are you really? I am. No way. I am. I have not picked the Steelers to win a single game this year. At all. Do it again. I believe at it. At all. However, um, with Jamar Chase still facing his injury... With Minka Fitzpatrick now officially being cleared to play, he's healthy, ready to play. TJ's back. TJ Watt is back. Our offense last week against uh, the Saints looked halfway decent, which I am shocked about. Um, and going into this game, we are only three point underdogs. And like I said, we're playing. We're playing in Pittsburgh. We don't lose at home very easily. All right. Then, finally, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at the L.A. Chargers. This is a great game. I'm so excited for this game. I'll take the Chiefs, though. I'm taking the Chargers because I think, I think, with the Chiefs being down Juju, I think that's going to make a difference. Juju is one of their primary playmakers on that roster, in that rotation. I think with him being out, the Chargers have a chance, especially if Keenan Allen plays. I'm going to pick the Chiefs. You just can't pick against the Chiefs. Monday Night Football, (laughs) we have San Francisco. Francisco at the Arizona Cardinals. I'm taking the 49ers. Niners. Niners as well. And then the last game that we have, we always save the Cleveland Browns for last. This afternoon, about to start here in about 30 seconds, Browns at Bills. Uh, for the first time ever on this airway, I am picking against the Cleveland Browns. I will also be picking against the Cleveland Browns with Bills Well, guys, that's going to close out our show today. It's been a great talk here with my guys, Matt and Pat. You will not want to miss our podcast coming out on Monday. Thank you so much for joining the show. Boys, any final thoughts? If for some reason you don't feel like watching the Browns game, you can hear my voice again on Entertainment Rebooted directly after this. 
Uh, I think this week is our uh, Panic at the Disco episode. So if you want to listen about, if you want to listen to that, go ahead. Uh, if not, watch some football. Absolutely, Pat. As always, as always, I was to say it. Go Zips, fill the hill. We are going to be playing Pitt very, very shortly. I will be in attendance at that game. I know Pitt has the same goalie from last year. If you were a student in the student section last year when we played Pitt, you know how much we do not like their goalie at all. Uh, he wants to fight us, so let's make him fight us because, let's be honest, Zips are going to walk away with this stuff. We're going to win the tournament. Go Zips and go USA in the World Cup. For sure. That's also going to be for me as well. Go Zips. Go United States of America in the World Cup. Shout out to all of our listeners for listening today. We appreciate you every week, week in and week out, for being the best fans in Sports Talk. So shout out, Ashley. Thanks for listening today. That's going to do it for our show. Once again, I'm here with... Matt from Yuka. And Patrick Weber. And my name is Logan Conger. Thank you for joining us, and go Browns.